Hi, I'm from the IRS and I'm here to help. No, I'm just kidding. It's just Keith. I'm not from the IRS. And if I was from the IRS, I wouldn't look like this. I would look like this. That's actually what the IRS is really behind them. Um, fun fact, the IRS has 4,500 guns and 5 million rounds of ammunition. So if you're wondering why that would be, uh, it's because income taxes are theft. And without use of force, they wouldn't be able to get the property of other people. Uh, it's hard to steal property without the threat of force or the force behind it. Uh, that number's from the General Accounting Office. Uh, you can find that at that link there. It's in the GAO website on gao.gov. And it's 2017 data. They probably have quite a few more guns and ammo than that now. Um, another fun fact I saw reading that was that of the 20 federal law enforcement agencies that they studied in this in this report, um, the, the sum total of the weapons, the number of guns and the ammo they have, it's bigger than the U.S. Marine Corps. Um, so this is what the federal government is doing to us. Okay, back to me. And uh, yeah, I'm not really from the IRS, so I'm going to take this jacket off. So I'm about as far from D.C. as you can get and still be on the East Coast. It's a little warmer here with that. Uh, anyway, welcome to Rebel Civics, Episode 3, Taxation is Theft. I was going to mostly talk about income taxes as theft, but you can expand that to be all taxes. Uh, Rebel Civics show on the Unsafe Space Network is an education and discussion show on the principles of government, society, and individual rights. And this episode is in recognition of U.S. Tax Day, which was uh, Monday, April 18th, a couple days ago as I'm recording this. So I have a question for you, if you're not sure that income tax is theft. If one third of a man's labor output is owned by the government and they decide that it's one third and that they take it by force, is a man a slave or is he a free man? So the IRS believes, and the federal government believes, they own our income. They own all our income. Uh, they're only taking, depending on your level in the progressive tax, they take a certain percentage. I rounded off to one third, somewhere around average. Um, goes up to 39.5% on ordinary income, and it can be 15% on capital gains, and there's all sorts of other taxes. But specifically, income tax is what, people get for producing something and the government believes they can take whatever they want of it and they do and the reason for the guns is that if you don't give them the money on april 18th they'll eventually come around and get it and they'll bring guns if they need to and they'll put you in a cage uh, the threat of force is always behind that so we're going to go back to individual rights so fundamentally, natural rights, we have the right to life and the right to property. The right to property is included as part of the right to life. You have a right to your own body, you have the right to your property. Uh, things, right to yourself, right to things, as uh, 17th century philosophers called it. When you produce something uh, and sell it for money, the money is the output of your labor. Uh, if you're a slave, 
what you produce is tobacco or food or hemp. Um, if you do electronics, you produce a design. Um, the output of your labor is your property by definition. It, it came from your body. And to take that by force is theft. There's only two ways property be, can be exchanged. One is voluntary. So that's with consent. So you can have a consent between two people and they can exchange property. Uh, that's what the free market is. Uh, that's called, it's, it's a transfer with consent. Uh, the second way is a transfer without consent, which is called theft. And that normally has violence. It's force or threat of force behind it. Uh, taxation is taking of property by force, not by consent. If we did a little survey, you would find that most people would not pay the amount of taxes that they do if they had a choice, which means that they're not consenting. So I sent my money in this year, but I didn't consent to it. That's under duress. Somebody came and held a gun to my head and asked me for my wallet and I handed it to them. I didn't voluntarily give them my wallet. I did it under threat of, of force. Um, and that is what the IRS does. So when we say taxation is theft, we all know what taxation means. That's when the government takes some of our money, some of our property. Um, what's the definition of theft? That's the act of taking another person's property without consent. So if you think about the difference between, say, sex and rape, the difference is consent. So what's the difference between taxation and buying a service or a product? Consent. It's lack of consent. And the IRS is a group based on force. Uh, that's why they have 4,500 guns. Um, I uh, provided the link in there. Um, those, those numbers uh, of between, another fun fact on that one, uh, between 2010 and 2017, the, uh, the, the 20 federal law agencies that, that uh, I don't have the list of them all handy, but um, they spent $325 million on ammo alone. Uh, their total expenditures for weapons, tactical gear, weapons, and ammo was $1.5 billion. So from 2010 to 2017, those agencies, the IRS plus 19 other agencies, but they're all internal law enforcement, federal law enforcement agencies. 1.5 billion of our tax money was spent, spent on weapons, which is how they use force against us. So if you think the government is providing a service that we all agree to, uh, they wouldn't need 1.5 billion in weapons. When you talk about theft and taxation, it's an ethical question. So on an individual versus a group doesn't change an ethical question. So a good way to look at this, pondering, pondering this taxation is theft claim, which I'm making, insertion, is to change it from being a group, from being the government or being a group to an individual. So here's an example, say my right neighbor uh, is is rich, real wealthy guy, and my left neighbor is very poor. Maybe he fell on hard times. Maybe he's lazy. Uh, maybe he's had health problems. Maybe his kids need something. Um, whatever it is, he's poor. The right one's rich. So I can look at that and say, well, he needs money. So I can take a gun, go to my right neighbor, 
and take some of his income that he made last year. Like say I held a gun to his head and said, how much did you make last year? And he tells me the number. And then I say, okay, give me one third of it. And then I take that money and give it to my left neighbor who's poor. Um, is that moral? Is that ethical? Uh, most people would say no. Uh, I think pretty much anybody who lives in a country that values any kind of individual rights would say, no, I can't do that. So step that up as part of this little thought experiment. Step that up a level to a, a small group, say the block. So if I got everybody on my block to vote and everybody said, yeah, the left neighbor, he really needs some money. And this guy on the right, he's got plenty of money. He's got more than he needs. Uh, so we'll have a vote. And if 51 percent of the people on the block vote, then a bunch of us will get together with our guns and we'll go over there and get the money. Uh, now the guy's probably going to have trouble even defending himself because we could surround them and uh, we'd only need a block of people to be able to do that. And we could get his money and give it to the poor neighbor. So would that be ethical? Again, I hope you'll say no to that. So it's another small step to jump up to 320 million people, which is the United States. And so the situation we're in with the United States, uh, either a vote of 325 million people or Congress, who supposedly represents us, they decided. And they decided that one third was the number. And they decided that you have to make over a certain amount to pay because half the people don't pay at all which I'm not complaining about. That's halfway to where we should be. So good for them. Um, the vast majority of taxes actually come from the top 1%, 2% earners um, because of the progressive nature of it. But that's a side issue. The question is whether or not it's theft. So just because 325 million people do it or just because the federal government, the elites in power that run things think they can do it, uh, that does not change the ethical question between me taking a gun myself and going to my neighbor and taking one third of his income from last year. It's a it's the identical question. Ethical questions don't change because a group does it. Uh, either you have the right to your property or you don't. Doesn't matter if an individual or a group takes it. Um, I was going to do a little history since this is Rebel Civics and we do history. Got my constitution handy. Um, if we go back in to 1787, which is when the, the constitution was originally ratified. So want to know what is the founder's intent for taxes? Um, so you have to first start uh, with Congress because Congress is the part that does this. Uh, Article one, section seven. Uh, Article one is defines what Congress is allowed to do. Section seven says all bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives, but the Senate may propose or concur with amendments as on other bills. The House, as I said in the last episode, the House of Representatives is there to represent the people. They specifically put the power to raise, to raise revenue, to pass bills, to pass legislation, to raise revenue in the House. Uh, the Senate is only allowed to propose or concur. They can propose an amendment, but the House doesn't have to follow it. Uh, it's up to the House. And the, this this crap we do now where the president does a budget, like that's not how it's supposed to happen. It doesn't it, it goes to the president to sign and he can veto it. But the 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 bill for raising revenue 
has to come from the House, according to the Constitution. Um, then uh, Section 8, again, uh, Article 1, Section 8. That's the place. That's the uh, one short. It's two pages in this book. It's hard to see, I know. Um, it's only uh, two pages in this little book. It's all the things that Congress is actually allowed to do legally. Uh, Section 8 says, Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all duties, imposts, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. In other words, they're not allowed to pick and choose industries or groups or states or particular products. Uh, all of that is illegal. I, I know they do it all the time, but that's that's unconstitutional. They're not allowed to do that. That's clear. Um, and I have one more in Article 9 I'll read. It's uh, Article, I mean, Article 1, excuse me, Section 9. Uh, this is the one most applicable to the income tax question. It says no cap capitation or other direct tax shall be laid unless in proportion to the census or enumeration herein before directed to be taken. So earlier in the Constitution, they talk about how the census is done every 10 years. Um, a direct tax, there's two kinds of taxes, there's direct tax and indirect tax. So direct tax is income tax. That's an example. It's a tax directly on a person. Uh, a property tax and income tax directly on a person is that. An indirect tax is like sales tax, uh, tariffs, import duties. Uh, those are indirect that you have to uh, you have to do something for them to kick in. So the only way you can direct tax, which is to specifically tax individuals, is just in proportion to census. Uh, income doesn't affect that. That's what the founders said in 1787. Um, they were they were against the concept of income taxes. Uh, they viewed that as a uh, both a burden and as immoral and a problem to. It, it's the same as putting a fine on production. So you know if they don't, the government doesn't want you to park somewhere, they'll make a fine for it and they'll show you a fine. So if the government doesn't want you to be productive. That's what income tax does. Um, it's the same thing. So they they didn't want that. So uh, that's what it was in 1787. That's what the founders said. Um, then uh, jump forward 100 years or so, and we get to 1862. Uh, President Lincoln, I don't know if I've mentioned him yet on this show, but others who have heard me on Unsafe Space uh, know that I think Lincoln was the worst president in US history for several reasons, by a lot. Um, Here's another one that I don't think I ever mentioned. Uh, Lincoln did the first income tax. Uh, he did the first draft. He did a lot of stuff, but it was enacted as a temporary measure through Congress and Lincoln signed it. It was to fund the war for Southern independence because uh, they didn't have enough cash to, to invade the South and, and take over the states that had left the United States. So they, uh, they issued what they called was a temporary tax, like everything else, you know, temporary government programs. We all know what happens with them. Um, at the time, it was a 3% tax on income above 800. Now you have to scale that. Uh, that's somewhere around 16,000 in, in today's dollars. So uh, it was a 3% though, and it was only on the, the you know medium to high income earners, wasn't on the really low income. Um, I, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for uh, some information about that. Um, but that funded part of the war. 
And that was the point of it. So the first use of income tax was for wars. No surprise, uh, that's one of the government's favorite reasons to raise taxes. Um, and uh, there's uh, there's some great, great quotes related to that. I don't know one off the top of my head, but basically wars are raised are, are raised to get taxes. It's not really the other way around. We always talk about uh, that we have to raise taxes to fund the war. It's really the other way around. Wars are raised to get taxes. And you can look at the American history, my lifetime, go back 100 years. Uh, it's pretty obvious. That's, that's the point. Um, anyway, that first income tax did end sometime after the war. They paid off some of the debt. But they started another one. Uh, in 1895, though, uh, the other one was it was 2%, and they, they changed the minimum to what is equivalent of 90000 today. So it was really only on the upper income levels. Um, but in uh, find a year, so I don't get this one wrong because I don't have that memorized. 1895, so there's a Supreme Court case, Pollock versus Farmers Loan and Company. Uh, that's a famous case for tax people who uh, look into tax stuff. Um, the Supreme Court declared uh, income tax unconstitutional. They said it's a direct tax, which it is, and it's not based on the proportion of the population. Um, so you can't tax based on income. And they ruled it unconstitutional, and it ended. And so we had no income tax for a while. That was from uh, 1895. And, but the government, they wanted their money. They needed money. There, you know, th this is during the time government was expanding. So, come up to 1913, horrible year for the U.S. So, one of the things that happened in 1913 is the 16th Amendment was ratified, and I'll read that one for the tax tax class here today. Uh, the Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived, without apportionment among the several states, and without regard to any census or enumeration. So what they said in Amendment 16 is that Congress has a new power and that what it used to say, what it still does say, uh, is no longer in force and effect. They never bothered to change the words. So it's actually, I consider this a uh, inconsistency in the Constitution because uh, Amendment 16 directly violates um, Article 1, Section 9. Um, I don't know how they get away with that, but, you know, lawyers will, uh, Supreme Court is a bunch of uh, politically connected lawyers, and they let that one go through. And the states ratified it, which I think was stupid, but they did. Um, and of course, when they started it, it was a tiny, tiny tax. It was a couple percent on the higher income earners, and they said it would never go above 3% or something like that. Like, it'll never be higher than 3%. Uh, guess what? Huh. So uh, the United States got along, except for Lincoln's war. Um, United States got along fine. By that, I mean the federal government got along fine for 150 years with no income tax. So remember, for, for more than half of the U.S. history, there was no income tax. So it's it started in 1913, started small and grew. Um, I'll just mention it. Uh, why I said about 1913 being a horrible year. Um, that's also when the 17th Amendment passed, which is when they destroyed the purpose of the Senate by making a popular election. 
And um, that's when the Federal Reserve was created. And for those who follow that, they know how that's destroyed destroyed the uh, value of the dollar. Uh, all that happened in 1913. So that, that was a particularly bad year. All right, I have, I have uh, want to bring a point about the voluntary. I mentioned it earlier. Um, people say, well, you know, if you don't have income tax, uh, how do you do things? So the question still gets to, to force. So if people want something and they can afford it and they find that the prices of reasonable value or what they consider fair, they'll buy it. Like that's how the world works. Um, so the reason the IRS and the federal government has to take money through taxes is because what they're doing is not what people would voluntarily let them do. Now, there may be some programs you like. Um, all of us probably have a few things we want the federal government to do, most of us anyway. Um, but that doesn't justify the system that's using it for all sorts of bad things. Uh, if you took a look, a list of what the federal government is up to, uh, I'd be pretty sure everyone watching this would cross off a, a huge percentage of it. Uh, I'd say wild guess, 90%, 95%, I would be. So if we had a choice, we wouldn't be doing this. That's why the IRS has 4,500 guns. Individuals will choose to pay for something that they see as a good value and, and they want it or need it. Uh, it doesn't have to be done by force. And the government taxation is theft because that's the only way the government can get as much money as they get. It'd be very difficult for them to get Americans to voluntarily hand over $4 trillion last year for what the federal government was doing. Uh, I'm just, I've been talking mostly about income tax. Um, that's an easier one for me to argue about being theft, uh, income taxes actually, as I started with, uh, it's it's a form of slavery. If you want to call it partial slavery, uh, even the slaves got the evenings off to hang out with their families and eat. I'm not condoning slavery, um, but the slaves didn't work 100% of the time. They still had to sleep and eat uh, and, and make more slaves and that sort of thing. Um, and they had to get, give them breaks or they would kill them. So uh, what percentage of a slave's labor went to the farmer? Pretty healthy chunk, but it was a very inefficient system. So part of what they're doing was keeping themselves alive too. I won't guess at the percentage, but it wasn't 100. Um, it was a, a, economically, slavery was a, was a lousy way to do stuff. Uh, very inefficient. Um, actually, once they recovered from the the North destroying large parts of the South, when slavery ended, the the economy eventually improved quite a bit. Um, it's not really a good way to do things. And so anyway, my point there was that the slavery isn't really 100%. So right now, I'm using the one-third as a rough factor. It varies a lot. And if you count state and local taxes, it depends on where you live. Um but just say one third, if you choose to replace what I say with one half, that's fine, or one quarter, it's somewhere in there. So if we're one third a slave and two thirds free, are we free? Uh, I would contend not. Um, all right, I'm gonna briefly touch on a few other types of taxation. 
that is also theft. Uh, one is the social security scam. Uh, this is a really bad one. This is, they call it the FICA tax. So it's social security and Medicare. Uh, the story is, at least they pretend that this is some kind of a retirement fund and that they're, you know, we're contributing to it. They use the word contribute, but I didn't contribute a penny to social security. They took it uh, under threat. Um, and the money is not in a reserve fund. Um, they, they took it and borrowed it. So I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. Maybe I'll do a whole Rebel Civic show on Social Security and the scam. But let me just say that uh, some people do call it a Ponzi scheme, but it's not a Ponzi scheme because a Ponzi scheme is voluntary. Uh, Social Security is not voluntary. It's worse than a Ponzi scheme. And uh, if you remember Bernie Madoff with one of the more famous Ponzi schemes in, in my lifetime, he's serving like three lifetime sentences for his Ponzi scheme. And his was voluntary. Uh, Social Security is worse. So whoever, people that came up with Social Security and run it should be punished worse than Bernie Madoff. Um, it's a worse scheme. Uh, there's no reserve Social Security fund. It's a freaking file drawer in McLean, Virginia or something. That money is gone. Uh, right now, it's somewhere around three, uh, three people being supported, supporting each retiree. When it started, it was like forty or something. Uh, it's it's down just below three. By the time I can collect it, it's going to be close to two. So each taxpayer, each two taxpayers, is supporting one retiree under the current scheme, and the money goes to them that year. It's not saved. Uh, it's just another tax that's doled out to a group. Uh, people say they deserve their Social Security check. That's not true. Um, you don't deserve anything because they took their money. It's just a tax, and they spent it the year they took it. They didn't save it for you. It's not an investment. Uh, the people that think Social Security is owed, you're saying that some later generation owes you because you were paid by some generation that's mostly deceased at this point. So I, I've been thinking about it. Um, Again, when you think about an ethical question, think about it as individuals. It's easier because people, uh, it gets, it, it's harder to think about when you think about it as government. So if you think about it as an individual, uh, when I'm old enough to collect Social Security, it'll be about two. So I might as well just pick the two. It's the same question. So I'll pick my niece and nephew. So the moral question on Social Security is, uh, do I have the right to live for the rest of my life from 67 and a half on or 65 whenever it starts? Um, with my niece and nephew supporting me, uh, my contention is no, I don't have that right. Uh, that's a security. Uh, that's a tax. Um, another hidden part of that one is that the payroll tax is only half. The other half is paid by the employer, which is another way they're covering up a tax. Uh, it reduces your salary because otherwise the free market would let that come to salary. So it's actually twice as big as you think from looking at your pay stub. Uh, for Social Security and uh, Medicare. Um, another one is borrowing money. Uh, they've been borrowing the, the last couple years and the the last years of uh, of Trump's and with Biden, uh, Congress writes these bills and the presidents gladly sign it. Uh, they're borrowing trillions of dollars a year, and they never pay back this. Right now, the national debt is 30, billion, 30 trillion, 40 trillion. I don't know. It's hard to keep track. Um, if you look it up, it's like trillions bigger the next year. So uh, that's a huge amount of money. 
that's an unsustainable system. Um, we, we can't, you can't keep going with that. Uh, if, if you convert that again to an individual case, uh, you can look at it, just lop all the zeros off the, the four trillion, you know, and make it a, say a 40,000 income. I'm coming up numbers off the top of my head here, but um, just lop zeros off and think about it as, as a family. Uh, say instead of four trillion, it's forty thousand is what you made, and but you your income was only twenty thousand because the taxes don't supply that. So then you borrowed a trillion, a uh, you borrowed ten thousand, you made twenty thousand in income, and then you printed ten thousand forfeit. Like, uh, or you could think of that as credit card debt. So you ran up ten thousand dollars in credit card debt last year. Um, you borrowed from a bank 10,000 and you made 20,000 and you spent 40,000 in your family. And then you do that year after year after year for a hundred years. You know, what's the effect of that? You're just paying for goodies now that your children are using. So that's another tax. This, this borrowing money, it's a tax. It's, it's just hidden a bit because it's a tax on the future generation. It's not actually on the tax on the people that are doing it today, but it's still a tax. Uh, It's just that our children and grandchildren have to pay it. Uh, Another tax that's a little hidden, that's one of the biggest ones, is the Federal Reserve. Uh, They print money like like crazy. Uh, Every time they print money, it devalues the dollar. It doesn't do anything as far as value goes. All it does is have more and more dollars chasing the same number of products, same, same amount of products and services. Uh, so the Federal Reserve doesn't do anything except for devalue the dollar, but it does allow them to get away year to year basis with with a uh, with theft, with with a crime of theft. And it's a it's a hidden form of taxation. So the dollar is worth something like three percent of its value in 1913 when that scheme started. So there's a huge tax. So any dollars you have uh, sitting in a bank um, the value of them is destroyed and that's a tax. And if you, you, uh, most of us have noticed grocery stores, gas, uh, plywood is twice as heavy. Two by fours are like out of sight. Um, I saw a sheet of half inch plywood, wanted one for something. Uh, I, I was amazed. I knew they were higher, but, uh, you know, you think housing, new construction housing and all that's going up. This is all related to the Federal Reserve bar printing money. That's really what that is, because inflation is really the change in the money supply. It's an increase in the number of dollars without changing the amount of production. That's what inflation is. The, the price changes that we see that everybody calls inflation, consumer price index, that's, a, that's an effect. It's a secondary effect of actual inflation. Inflation is an increase in the money supply. All right. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was some of the common objections. Um, when 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 you say taxation is theft, uh, people say, "Oh, oh, wait!" But the government does good things with the money. Um, that's an ends justify the means argument. Like that's never valid. That's a that's a logical fallacy. Uh, it also presumes the government is actually doing some good things. But you don't need to argue that. Say, okay, I'll grant that. The government does a few good things, maybe. Um, it's not an argument because theft 
you can't justify theft because you do good things with the money. Uh, if if uh, if I go next door and steal five hundred dollars and then go buy a nice riding lawnmower and come back and mow my neighbor's lawn with it and then say there. I provided you a service like he still might object to me taking the five hundred dollars um, or maybe it's a thousand now. Um, and, and keep in mind, the government never does it best. So even if you try to use the government does good things argument, you're better off giving the money to competing private individuals and companies because the government never does the best job. They're a monopoly on everything and they have no incentive to do the best job and they don't that's obvious uh, another one is the the we need to give people money because they have the right to food or medical care or housing or education uh that's all bogus i talked about rights in the last episode like that's not what a right is you never have the right to the output of someone else's labor um whenever somebody says uh they think something should be free uh it, it's not really free it may not cost anything at the point of transfer, but somebody paid for it. So you can't have no such thing as free medical care. Um, you want to make all professional medical personnel into slaves or do you take money from somebody else to pay them? Like there's no such thing as the right to medical care or housing. Uh, rights can never be based on having to take somebody else's right away. That's one of the definitions, fundamental principles of a right is that each person has a right and their right ends where other people's right starts. So that one's bogus. We don't give need to give people money. So the whole thing where the government is taking money and giving it away, uh, none of that is legitimate. That all requires theft. Uh, another one, it's the law. So there's legislation that says that we have to pay taxes. Um, that's another bogus argument. Uh, just because it's written down on a piece of paper by some politicians doesn't make it moral uh, or just. Uh, we can come up with some examples easily. Uh, slavery was legal. Um, it was legal to put Japanese heritage American citizens in concentration camps for four years. Uh, that was legal. Um, it was legal in for the U.S. to blow up a couple weddings in Afghanistan. That was legal. Um, lots and lots of examples. So anyway, writing something down on a piece of paper and calling it legislation uh, doesn't, doesn't address this. It's not an argument for why taxation is not theft. Um, another fun one, who will build my roads? That's a classic one. Uh, this, this is a, uh, it, it, it's a bit juvenile argument, but it's, it's from the mindset of people who have basically Stockholm syndrome. They're so used to the concept that government has to provide all this stuff. Like if you didn't have income tax, you wouldn't have, the government wouldn't be able to afford to build the roads. Uh, but guess what? People want roads. Uh, car companies need roads. Um, we need roads to get our food to the grocery store. Uh, we need roads to go on vacation and visit our friends. Uh, we need roads to get around. We need roads to conduct business. Uh, roads can be private if you've ever been in a private gated community or even just a private development, even without a gate. Um, I Everyone I've ever been in had pretty nice roads, usually better than what the government can do. Uh, 
They don't have a problem with roads. You know, I talked about the Constitution. Uh, this was written in, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, late 1700s. Uh, the government wasn't building roads. Like, how do you think the guys got to Philly to write the Constitution? Uh, they didn't get on the interstate. Uh, there were roads. Indians had roads. So that's bogus. Who will build my roads? You just have to step out of this Stockholm syndrome problem where you think the government has to take care of everything. Um, then there's a social contract argument. You say, well, because we live in society, we agreed to this. Like, no, I never agreed to income tax. Um, I never agreed to any of this. So I don't have a contract with that. It's not a price to live in society. There's other ways to arrange society. And then the last one I listed here, the government provides goods and services in exchange. Um, it doesn't matter. That's my lawnmower example I used. Uh, it doesn't matter if they provide some goods and services uh, with the money that they take. They still took the money. And if I wanted the, the, the service uh, and I could pay for it, and in general, almost everything or everything, depending on your point of view, it could be done privately. Uh, certainly roads is an easy one. Um, police is a pretty easy one. Uh, we don't need the post office. You can see what happened when they finally let uh, FedEx and, and the other services, and now Amazon, um, compete with the mail system, the post office. Uh, they're, they did very well. Uh, and they actually made the post office run a little better. The post office was forced to compete in some ways because private started getting into that. So it's an interesting intellectual exercise to sit down and go through them. Some of them are a little hard. Military is a little harder. But if you remember your history in the early, late 1700s, early 1800s, um, the government used to issue letters of marks and reprisal. If they, if they were having a war, like in the War of 1812, uh, there was privateers, and they issued a letter of mark and reprisal, and a privateer could go out and basically fight fight a war. Uh, there were mercenaries. Uh, we remember the uh, the Hessians during the War for American Independence. Uh, they were hired mercenaries, private army, basically that that Great Britain hired. Um, so even that, that's a harder one, but it's an interesting intellectual argument or discussion to work out how military could be private. Um, the other thing that happens if we weren't uh, engaged in wars all over the globe, we wouldn't need very much of a military. Um, you don't see people attacking Switzerland very often. Uh, why is that? It's not because they're not free. It's pretty free. Anyway, I digress. The goods and services argument falls flat on its face. So all of the objections um, I'd listed half a dozen real common ones for why taxation is not theft, um, and especially income tax. Uh, they they fall flat on their face. They're they're logical fallacies. They're errors. They're uh, Stockholm syndrome mistakes and how and how you think about things. All right, I'm going to switch to some quotes here and finish this out. Um, so Beverly, you want to switch to that slide there? All right. Um, the first quote, uh, what does Thomas Jefferson think about taxes? Um, since he was uh, a major part of writing the Declaration of Independence and um, 
lots of input into the Constitution. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said, sound principles will not justify our taxing the industry of our fellow citizens to accumulate treasure for wars to happen we know not when and which might not perhaps happen, but for the temptations offered by that treasure. Uh, he said that when he was president, uh, he was trying to uh, keep wars from started. If you remember the Barbary pirates and various other things were going on at that time. Um, eventually the war in 1812 happened with Great Britain again. Uh, there was a lot of push to get involved in the French and uh, England conflict going on then. Um, that was the big European battles when they warned us to stay out of European, Europe's affairs. Uh, but he's, he's adamant. Uh, there's other quotes from Jefferson about um, taxes. Uh, this particular one is, is a warning that taxes are a temptation by the elites in power to go for treasure. I paste a little chart here. It's a little fun fact chart. Um, the U.S. military spending, uh, I think this was last year, the year before, um, it's equivalent to the next 10 countries. So the American government, through taxing and borrowing and printing money, spends the same amount on war making on aggressive war making. Uh, it's not defense. I never talk about defense. Defense will be a tiny part of this. Uh, it's wars of offense. The world's policemen, they're spending the same as the next 10 countries combined, next 10 biggest. Um, and uh, the biggest one there, it's China, I think. And then you got uh, India is big. Um, the UK is pretty big, um, but they're tiny compared to the United States. And then the green bar on the far right, that's all the other countries in the world combined. So the next 10 are the same as the United States and all the other countries. They're somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 total. Um, so the other 190 or so uh, don't even spend that much. So that's, a, that's where that money's going. All right, who's next here? James Madison. There's a picture of me with little Jimmy Madison. He's a short guy. That's at the Constitution Center in Philly. Uh, James Madison said, war is the parent of armies. From these proceed debts and taxes. Armies and debts and taxes are the known instruments for bringing the many under the domination of the few. James Madison said that on April 20th, 1795. Uh, I put that out as an unsafe space quote of the day for April 20th as a little reminder. Like I said in the beginning, um, you can view the temptation as Jefferson talked it, about it, the known instruments as Madison talked about it, um, but the, the taxation, giving Congress the taxation ability, um, it, it will cause wars. It's too tempting, very tempting. And we see proof of that. Winston Churchill, I contend that for a nation to try to tax itself into prosperity is like a man standing in a bucket trying to lift himself up by the handle. He had a way with words. Um, we've been hearing about this the last couple of months here. Nancy Pelosi talking about um, basically they believe that increasing taxes helps the economy. Uh, that's impossible. Uh, it, it, it can't. Um, Nancy Pelosi is standing in a bucket trying to lift herself up by the handle. And um, from listening to Nancy Pelosi, her intellect level, she 
probably thinks that's possible. Um, we have to sit down and talk about gravity with her. Next, PJ O'Rourke. Um, giving money and power to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. Damn, that's dead on. That one's dead on. That's perfect analogy. I love PJ O'Rourke stuff. Voltaire. Uh, this is a Fren French Enlightenment philosopher, if you recognize that name, Voltaire. He said this in 1764. Um, in general, the art of government consists of taking as much money as possible from one party of citizens to give to the other. Uh, he called it an art. <laughs> um, if you think this stuff is new, uh, he, he said this about France in 1764. Um, it's been going on for a long time, folks. Uh, that is what they're doing. That is that is what taxes are about. They take taxes from one group and they give it to another group that helps put them in power. So it's the reason you see, you know, defense contractors give mostly equal amounts of campaign funds to the Republican and the Democrats. Uh, they don't care. They just need to hand out the money uh, I saw a study one time for uh, a defense contractor, uh, various ways of investment. The return on investment from funding political campaigns is orders of magnitude better than anything else a corporation can do. Orders of magnitude better. The return on investment there is fabulous. Fabulous. I'm being facetious. Uh, and Voltaire pointed that out in 1764. Uh, you could say this today. Um, it's worded a little heavy, but he was a philosopher and using 1700s language. Um, but a couple words change there. Um, maybe you don't even have to change any words. Uh, it applies very well. All right, Dr. Art Laffer, here's a little fact check on spending. He said, it's not true that Congress spends money like a drunken sailor. Drunken sailors spend their own money. Congress spends our money. That's true. I think I've even used that analogy before. I've heard other people say Congress spends money like a drunken sailor. Um, now, when I hear that, I point it out like, no, they don't. <laughs> They're spending our money. That's different. Superman. It's always interesting to see what Superman thinks. Uh, I talked about the Federal Reserve uh, and I have a little graph here of what $100 does over time from 1913 when, like I said, the Federal Reserve was created in uh, one of the worst things that was ever done to the financial system uh, to 2021. Um, that's what happened. Uh, it's essentially, it's, it's flattening out at zero, asymptotic approach to zero there. Uh, the limit as T goes to infinity of the value of the dollar is zero, right? For the, for the geeky nerds into, into that remember their calculus. Um, Here's Superman. I love this slide. Superman's walking down the street. He sees the Federal Reserve is on fire. He ducks into a phone booth and puts on his Clark Kent suit. And then he walks away whistling. I'm showing what the saying what the slide does for the people listening to the podcast version. Um, <laughs> I'm not suggesting we burn down the Federal Reserve. Um, <laughs> but uh, Superman here, he's saying if it was burning... Uh, don't call 911. Let the thing burn. Uh, we need to we need to end the Fed. Uh, that would be a incredible, great change in our tax system. 
you want to end some taxes, there's a good first step. End the Federal Reserve. Get back to a sound money system. Uh, and I'm going to close this out with Judge Napolitano. Uh, he said taxation is theft, uh, if you know Andrew Napolitano. Um, and we're just going to play the clip. So, Beverly, if you want to play that clip, and uh, we'll come back to me. I'll say this plainly. I've said it before. Taxation is theft. It presumes that the government has a higher claim on our property than we do. All right. There we go. Taxation is theft. Uh, you heard it from the judge, the good judge. Uh, he understands the history quite well. He understands what theft means. He understands what taxation is. Um, taxation is theft. So keep that in mind. When you're paying your taxes, when you're sending your check in, it's under duress. It's the same as a gun being held to your head on the street. Uh, bye for now. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production may corrupt previous psychological programming. If you encounter any of the following individuals, Please administer government-issued neurotoxin immediately. I'm not sure what the neurotoxin will do because I am not a biologist. CRT is a complex legal theory that is needed to combat the epidemic of racist babies. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice courtesy. Never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.